0: Hey folks, and welcome to episode 65 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Charlotte Wessels of Delane discusses her first band, and I recommend the Canadian progressive band Hayoka's Mirror. Before all that, I welcome Jeff Waters of Annihilator back to the show. Jeff and I first spoke on episode 26, so he and I had a lot to catch up on. In this episode, he's back to discuss the latest Annihilator album, Ballistic Sadistic, his love of Coca-Cola products and Van Halen things, then we end our chat by him alluding to the end of Annihilator. There was more, too, but that part really caught me off guard, and I think it's interesting. So before we dive into my chat with Jeff Waters of Annihilator, here is the attitude from the latest album, Ballistic Sadistic.
1: Mm. Years of blood, sweat and tears under the belt. Disregard, disrespect for what you've been dealt. Best defense, arrogance, you know it all. Enjoy uh
0: i don't expect you to remember this but we've talked on this podcast a few years ago and around that time is when you first started working with a bunch of the guys that you're working with now how is having them on the on the newest album again in some cases, been different than last time.
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, anybody that knows anything about my band knows that it was kind of like initially, maybe back in the mid-'80s, in the demo days, that when I started it with uh, the singer John Bates at the time, um, it was like it, I wanted to be in a band, you know, and, and, and play thrash metal and heavy metal, like all the great bands from... from Van and the Slayer, you know, everything that I liked. And I just wanted to be in a band like a lot of people do. Uh, but I found out pretty quickly that it was like, okay, this, for me, it wasn't working out. Somebody, uh, our first singer, Randy Rampage, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he left at the right when the, the first album, Alice in Hale was having it's like this big, huge success overseas in most of the world for a first record on an independent label. Um, I think it was the biggest selling metal independent release of of 1989. And here I am on top of the world thinking, wow, dreams can come true. And I was, you know, I was a kid and I had this band and we were all good musicians and having fun. And then Singer bailed uh, before the end of this tour we did with Testament in the States. And I found out later while we were stranded in the States going, well, what do we do now? Um, That he and the manager had already knew he was going to go back to his, his day job. And cause he doesn't want, didn't want to lose his, his day job. And I'm like, now what do I do? <laughs> you know? So that was kind of like, you know, you imagine your first record, you finally get it and you're on tour in Europe. And then Testament at the time took us on tour for their practice, what you preach album. that was really starting to climb up for them. And I was a huge fan of them too. And then bang, it's all done. And, um, That was the the second I realized this ain't going to be a band. (laughs) I'm not doing that again. Um, So I I basically just hired the singer and the drummer, guitar player and bass player for the touring stuff and and in the studio. And that's the way I run the band. And it's a very strange way to do it. It's like half solo project, half band. But on tour, I make sure most of the time I've made sure that the guys are, are fantastic on stage and energetic and love what they do. Otherwise, you know, go back to something else and we'll get someone else that wants to do this for fun you know Uh, and take it seriously too but these guys I've had now for quite a few years this is the first kind of first time that I'd really not sort of had it in my notes to do list that you know maybe I should be looking for a drummer or maybe I should be looking for a bass player because this guy's got a better job offer with another band or this one had a kid and doesn't like to practice anymore or, you know, I'm not saying it's all negative, but you know, life happens and I still have to keep going with my thing. Um, and I just had no reason to with these guys. We get along, have a lot of fun. They're all kind of averaging like 28, 29 years old. If you took the averages of the three other guys and in a way, what it's not like, they call me grandpa. So that tells you how that's working. <laughs> nice. um, it's it, it, basically they, the three of them together, sort of somehow kick my butt in the sense of, well, first of all, they make me walk more on tour because they want to get out and see and do things, so i got to follow them and keep up. Um, and literally, 54 to to our drummer of 25-year-old, I mean, or 26-year-old, um, there's a difference in energy for even just walking, as you can imagine. Um, and so that kind of keeps me like thinking a little less mature than I am supposed to be right now and clowning around more getting more exercise uh watching their energy on stage and it kind of pushes me to to get off my ass and move rather than not move and it just gives you inspiration too right having guys like that behind you and it's like i don't know it's just this is the first time ever that i've thought well i've never even thought about making a change here and and it would actually probably be a sad thing if any of them did leave
0: and my next question, actually, you kind of touched on already, was that they were all born after Annihilator started. Has that age difference created any sort of disconnect in like anything? I guess
1: no, because you you know, like first of all, I mean, this isn't really a big deal. But you know, I'm a father. I got a 24 year old kid, Alex, and um, I also am a step parent here in England to my my new wife. That uh, I've been here, like, moved a few years ago to England, and. and um, so and I'm 54 years old. Okay, so when you got a 20 at the time, 24 year old drummer, or 23, 24, 23 year old drummer, when when Fabio from Italy joined their band, for example, and Rich, uh, bass players in his mid mid 20s at the time, or maybe 26, 27 when he joined, and uh, Aaron, or sing, or other guitar player, must have been in like 27, 28, whatever. Um, it's kind of like you got that kind of relationship where they. Uh, I mean, to to an older guy like me, they're kids, right? Of course they're kids, the way I relate it. Um, But they are all kind of similar age and similar music that they like, and they have a lot in common and things that I would not have in common with them, of course, right? And the band thing's awesome because the things we do have in common all come together, and it, it has nothing to do with age, but the age difference is the thing, again, that kicks my butt. It gets me excited to do stuff because they're excited to do things and they're pointing out things and they're not realizing they're teaching me that I should be appreciating certain things that I'm not appreciating about life and about touring and about music. So you get this kind of, I'm not trying to sound too deep, but you, you get to see what you're doing musically and personally from a different perspective with three people that I guess respect some of the music that I've done and this, the, the bands done and things we've done but they're given, um, they're given an open on the touring end. As long as they learn their their job, learning and playing tight and working on their parts and taking that seriously, um, then they just have the time of their life. They're loving it, you know. And as long as they do that, there's never an issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's fun.
2: Um,
0: I, I didn't realize that you had moved to England. I know you guys have a, like a much bigger following in Europe than you do in North America. How has like being kind of a it changed anything for you, or has it really?
1: Well, I mean, you know, Annihilator had two records, three records released. The first three were released eighty-nine, ninety, and ninety-three, um, and the first one was called House in Hell, and it did very well. And again, it was like the biggest independent label uh record metal record of the the year so it was like a huge one for the label and of course for for me being a kid from canada and all of a sudden you got this record that's it really did amazing things for us and um very quickly it was it was like instant and then it brought us to the next record which in the rest of the world outside of north america the the never never album was uh, that was our big selling one that was our biggest record and i think it was the best one um, and then after that, it was kind of like, we did a third album for Sony Roadrunner uh, called Set the World Fire. And while that did really well in the rest of the world, that was also at a time, and it was a more melodic commercial hard rock kind of metal album, um, and Sony picked this up. And, they, and then we got dropped because essentially back then there was really no internet and there was, people didn't, uh, now didn't, uh, that are younger, don't realize that there was literally memos sent out from all the major record companies saying if you have anything that has the word heavy metal or thrash metal in their biographies on your band rosters, uh, dump them. Unless they're selling a lot of records, just get rid of them. And it became, heavy metal and thrash metal became kind of a joke to the industry and was quickly rushed out. It was gone. Um, Venues were not accepting metal bands. Um... So most of the bands in this music lost their jobs as musicians and ended up cutting their hair and getting real jobs, essentially, most of them. And some of them decided, okay, well, this music isn't popular now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my image and put on a track suit, and I'm going to try and change my music to conform to what seems to be coming in or what's popular. And then there was a majority of us that just simply lost their record deals, and a lot of bands couldn't keep their musicians together because now all of a sudden there was no money to pay people, and people couldn't even survive. Um, I there's a small group of bands that didn't give up and kept going and stable what they're doing. Overkill, Exodus, Testament, Annihilator, um, in that sort of middle level, you know, like not not the the Motorhead Slayer. Uh, Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, but sort of the middle level, so to speak, in this kind of music. And, you know, Overkill, Annihilator, Testament, Exodus have been through, an Anthrax, have been through so many members. You think of how many members Testaments had, and Annihilators had, and all that. And it was simply because we couldn't afford to pay um, the musicians to stay. I mean, there was just, you had to do it only for the love of the music. You couldn't survive off this. And, um, and I really respect those bands that kept going and never gave up that whole time. And now now they're getting payback for it. You know that Exodus is putting out good records. Testaments for the last couple of records, and I'm sure the new one's going to be Kick-Ass. Um, I heard a song recently from that. I haven't heard any more. I'm going to see them in Manchester next Saturday here <laughs> in England. But, um, you know, some of these bands, and I'm sure Anthrax will put out a Kick-Ass album, and Priest is coming out with, you know, Firepower, holy shit, you know? Mm-hmm. But I could ramble I could ramble on forever. But what was the original question? <laughs>
0: uh, what is it like being in the more like closer to where uh, Annihilator's yeah. still killing it, I guess, as far as touring and whatnot. Yeah,
1: I answered I answered a lot of questions there, didn't I? But uh, <laughs> it's
0: all good. Yeah. Just by screen. Of course, is the classic The Fun Palace from Never Neverland by Annihilator. I'll have more Jeff Waters in a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Charlotte Wessels of Delane discusses her heavy origins.
2: Uh, I think um, the first band, or like the first, the band that that I didn't join, but that, that, that we formed, uh, it, it was called. Um, The Mirage, but we pronounce it as the Mirage because we looked it up in a dictionary and we didn't actually know what the word was supposed to sound like, but it looked cool. So (laughs) So that, that was that one. And we sounded like basically a bunch of people just picked up an instrument because I played the clarinet, but that's of course not cool enough for a band. So I tried to play bass and I was bad at it and everybody kind of just started playing an instrument for that band and we had one hit which was a ballad we made a punk a rock and a metal version out of that one song oh, wow. and probably five percent of our school knew the lyrics to it so it was a great success
0: that, yeah. is, that is my high school band's beat so awesome <laughs> apocalypse and chill by delane was released on february 7th for more information head to delane.nl there you can pick up the album see tour dates and all that good stuff now here are some of arm to the teeth from ballistic sadistic by annihilator before i wrap up my chat with jeff waters
1: stand down and change your course don't come at
0: While creeping for this uh, interview and doing a little research, I came across that you collect Coca-Cola things. Uh, how did your collection start? Yeah.
1: Well, I've got three things, and they're pretty crazy, and if I wanted to go broke, this I could easily go broke. It's it's not horses, it's not, I mean, I had a couple of Camaros, now that I moved over here I got rid of them because I didn't want to bring them over in a boat, um, but um I've got three habits. The the least one that I'm concerned with, because there's not much out there, is is the TV show Dallas from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That was the one that had the... Who shot JR? Larry Hagman, the JR Ewing guy. and That's a show that older folks will know. Um, And I collected a bunch of stuff and stopped because there wasn't much out there by the show or or anything. But I also collect... And this is the killer, Van Halen stuff. And the Coca-Cola stuff is more of a the coca-cola stuff is more of a slow financial death because <laughs> you it's like there's literally 50 million items of coca-cola on ebay and i every week or so i'll just go and click on there and go oh i can get a coca-cola lighter oh i can get a coca-cola jacket oh there's a new coca-cola bottle opener so at the studio here that that we built uh last year the uh, there's in the in the sort of kitchenette room down in the studio, it's all Coca Cola. Like I'm looking at it right now. Coca-Cola coffee cups and microwaves and fridges and everything you can imagine, clocks, everything. Um and I'm seeing Coca Cola salt and pepper shakers. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> and then uh the uh the sort of artist loft, we call it above the studio, where mixed engineers and engineers and band members could stay when they're over. Uh that's kind of done up like that too. And then the real killer, though, uh, the one I have to be careful of, is the, the Van Halen stuff because I've got a lot of Van Halen guitars, and uh, you know I'm look, I'm just looking around now for for examples. I've got guitar straps, guitar picks, guitar strings, uh, but some of the guitars he's had for sale for decades are you you can pay you can pay a thousand thousand U S for one, or you can pay thirty five thousand. No. So there's all these different um, yeah. And that's it. That's, that's the only thing I have to, uh, I don't, I don't drink alcohol for now uh, 20 years. It's my anniversary came up, uh, New Year's Eve, uh, 20 years and not drinking. So because of that, I found that I was able to concentrate on business and money and I needed to, to keep my band rolling when, when some years and albums weren't doing so well, I needed to be able to support myself in the band and studio and everything uh, for some of the years. And, um, you know, once, yeah, once I, at least in my situation, stopped drinking, then it, I had so much time on my hands because uh, I would drink every night after after dinner. Uh, it, watch a couple, If I was home, I watched a couple movies and polish off twelve beers. It would be a normal thing for me, and um, well, I just basically blew the entire night when I could have written a song or had a good night's sleep or socialized properly or you know, watched an informative TV show or had a bath and read a book. You know, there, there's so many things or thought of business ideas or things that you could do with your band. Or, and I found myself, I was blown all this time because i wake up hungover the next day and then that wouldn't help me want to do anything. And um, as soon as I'd quit drinking, I had all this time on my hands and I started going, hey, people are ripping me off. Managers, labels, publishers, merchandisers, all these people our, and promoters and tour agencies, they're, they're ripping me off. So that's when I, I kind of woke up. And you start taking care of business, and you realize, wow, if you want to make some money, there are ways that you can make money. You just have to work your ass off and educate yourself on things. And you, there's lots of stuff people can do if they have the time and the will and and, and really want to, to, to work at something. And therefore, <laughs> I realized – Okay, well, since I don't spend all that money on booze and wasting my life and not having an income, when I do get an income, I'm gonna collect Van Halen and Coca Cola stuff. <laughs> that's what I did. That's the end of the, that's the end of that one.
0: Uh, if you're at a restaurant and you order a Coke and they say, Is Pepsi okay? What do you say? Or do you do you actually well, drink do you Coke? Hear,
1: you're, not, you're not gonna get the answer because it's a totally different thing. Please. And you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this and we'll, you'll roll your eyes. Um I haven't drank Coca-Cola for so many years because it gives me adult acne
0: you know what's funny I, I didn't think it was going to be acne but I had a hunch that you didn't actually drink Coca-Cola for some reason
1: <laughs> yeah there's no way I get, I, I get teenage zits uh, if I even have if I have a half a can of Coke I got four zits coming the next morning
0: you know honestly same like I have a big dumb beard and if I have cola or something or like an actual soda regularly absolutely just well that's yeah. funny
1: uh, I loved. I mean, I love the taste, but I tell you that the, the love of Coca-Cola it was two things. One was when I would wake up as a drinker, um, I would wake up in the morning have a cigarette and a can of Coke. That's how I woke up every morning, and that jolt of caffeine and sugar and chemicals, and that cigarette just woke me up. And, and sure, I felt sick half an hour later, but it was still it was like that's how you would wake up. And um, the second love of it was simply because I liked the. Um, I thought it was the best branding, the best logo, the best colors ever. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Kind of crazy, but hey, man, when you got time, when you got time in your hands and you're you got a bit of ADHD going on and you're a creative person, you you got to be a little weird in some ways, right?
0: I mean, I have a bunch of Simpson stuff. I I understand. Um, <laughs> what is your morning ritual now that you're you're sober and you don't wake up with a cola? Well, the the
1: one thing. I guess the one thing, which is actually two things that I wished I'd done a long time ago that I'm still not doing right now is food and exercise have always been two things that I, I'm just not good at. I mean, it's almost like I'm punishing myself. I, I, it's not like I, I don't, I guess I overeat, but I, I don't get too large. And when I go on tour, I lose some weight and, you know, getting ready for tour, but I don't get the gym. I don't watch what I'm eating too much. Um, and that's the only real regret I got, because I don't smoke and I don't drink and uh, do drugs, right? They'll do that stuff. And it's almost like a, I have to do something, so I'm intentionally not doing the other two, which is very crazy, but just how I, how my brain's wired again.
0: All right, I've got uh, one more, since I think our time's about to wrap a little bit. Um, the 2017 live album, Triple Threat, included an album of acoustic performances of Annihilator songs. Uh... Your, yeah. your career seems to have always been Annihilator and solely Annihilator, but do you see yourself doing A side thing, whether you call it Annihilator or not That's acoustic stuff, because those renditions Were great
1: Well, I, I think um, That was actually a lot Of fun, and what inspired that acoustic Thing was, you know, I grew up You know, with MTV in the States Would have the uh, the, the Acoustic sessions, and you see even In the early 90s, you'd see Alice in Chains Doing the acoustic thing, or Kiss, or Something, but I'd always liked you know watching Slash and Axle, you know, and Duff with acoustic bass and acoustic guitars, and you know, that stuff was cool. But then I saw that um, Van Halen came out with that last album, Different Kind of Truth, and they did some bonus videos in black and white. I think in 5150 or somewhere, um, one of his studio, maybe his studio, and they did this uh, acoustic jam of uh, Panama and a couple other songs, and. That was when I realized, you know, I want to do something like that because it looked—it was so cool to see Van Halen just casually sitting around with bongos and an acoustic and really raw and rough. And and I thought, man, I'd I'd like to do that with my my music. And uh, I hired two other people there because, uh, you know, my strength is not singing. I mean, I've I've improved a lot from being not so good, uh, but I'm still—it's not my forte singing. So I, I brought in a singer. And a friend of mine who's a guitar player, so we had three guitars going and a bass and the other singer. And we split the vocal duties and stuff. And uh, I just thought it'd be great before I die to just do an acoustic version of this for fun and see if anybody likes it. And uh, we had a blast doing it. Um, But no, I think, uh, you know, one thing I've always thought was if I in the later stages here in my career was, I think I've always been thinking in the last 10 years of if I, I I just want to keep going until I get one album that stands out from the last batch. And I think the one we just did, this is a personal thing. It's not to sell the album or give a shit what everybody else thinks. This was a personal thing. And to me, this, this album ballistic sadistic we just did is the one that is kind of almost a career killer for me because it's, it's making me realize that, the, the odds or chances of me getting the same inspiration and and getting equally as good or better record are almost zero uh, do you know what I mean like it's it's I can feel it. <laughs> oh. I can just feel it and i've always I've always wanted to sort of go out with a uh not not public it's not like a attention seeking reputation legacy bullshit. It's simply for myself to say. I I went out not on top. It's not about that shit. It's, it's about, I went out getting that uh, one record where I still got it. And that's time to call it done. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And uh, this is kind of the one that's sort of making me really revisit that. And I've never said that before because it's just, it was a personal thing. And, uh, I'm going to have to reevaluate everything because I'm not exactly sure how I would top this one. And I'm not saying this album is our best. It's definitely not the best one. I think Never Neverland was, and some would argue Alice in Hell and King of the Kill would be. But, um, you know,
0: it,
1: why would somebody after 17 records try and go for 18, 19, 20, 21 uh, in search of something that probably won't end up being there? You know what I mean? If, if that makes any sense. So that's kind of where my brain's at right now.
0: I have to admit that is a hell of a way to wrap up an interview, a a career cliffhanger. Um, I mean, I think 20 is a nice round number. <laughs> you, if you drop 20, at least you can go out like that. But uh, yeah. the new album is great. You know, and I, I can totally I, I, see that. Cool.
1: We had, it, we had a song on the King of the Kill album called 21, so I always thought I'd hit 21 and call it a day, but uh, we'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time evening i think if afternoon time's bad for me uh well give a good one thank you for being on the show again (laughs) all right later dude right on Sadistic was released by Annihilator in January via Silver Lining Music. Pick up the album over at AnnihilatorMetal.com, then keep up with the band at Facebook.com AnnihilatorBand. Now to wrap up this episode, I'm going to recommend the Canadian prog collective Hayoka's Mirror. This band started in 2015, and since then, they've released one EP called Loss of Contact with Reality. This summer, the band will release their debut concept album. Title and release date are still TBA, but from that album, I'm going to play you a song called Asylum this track features the main character from the album's story being checked into an institution then battling his inner demons so again here is asylum by heoka's mirror in its entirety
2: Patient Lewis is here for you. Ah, welcome to the asylum, Mr. Lewis. My assistant Leonard will take you to your new home. Oh yeah, will take
0: debut album will be released this summer follow the band over at facebook.com slash heyoka's mirror that's h-e-y-o-k-a-s-m-i-r-r-o-r and heyoka's mirror one there you can pick up a copy of the album once it's available and also find their last ep as always i'd like to thank you for listening and invite you to head over to far metal Podcast.com there if you're in a band you can send me your stuff also facebook.com slash far beyond metal twitter underscore far beyond metal instagram far beyond metal pod and the theme song is far beyond metal by the band strapping young lad from their album the new black courtesy of century media records and devin townsend himself thank you for listening a cat
2: production